I don't know about you guys, but I think those graphics are super cute, right? Aren't they so cute, those pictures? Anyway, uh, well, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church this morning. Hope everybody's having an extremely warm and hot morning because it is. And if you're not, something's wrong with you. A lot of people have been asking me, Danny, how did you lose so much weight? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm at church a quarter to nine on Sunday, setting everything up. That's how you lose weight. So if you want to do that, come a quarter to nine Sunday morning. Help us do that, and you will drop weight just like that. Well, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church. Hope you guys are having a great start to your morning. I'm really excited about this series, How to Neighbor, because, man, guys, you know, there's some there's some series that are super encouraging, and it's like, go and, and conquer the world, right? And then there's some that are, like, really challenging, and I think that's what this series is. I think it's a challenging series for every single one of us. I think that's what it is. Today, we're talking about widows and orphans, specifically, you know, the, the marginalized and the vulnerable in our community. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to tell you guys a story about something that happened at a school nearby, one day, a mom frantically came walking into the school. And she was like, you know, like going crazy, right? She's like, she she came in. It was around noontime, and she starts asking all her staff, all the staff at the school, "Where's my son? Where's my son? It's lunchtime at the school, so you know the 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 smell of the cafeteria food. You can smell it in the in the hallway and in the lobbies, and you can hear the sounds of children laughing and yelling and stuff like that going on. And she comes in, yeah, you know, where's my kid? Where's my kid? I just need to see my son." I want to know if he's okay. And so, of course, the staff assured her, yeah, we, we saw we saw your son. He came to school this morning. You know, I saw him. So he came to school. He's totally fine. But then they began to ask her, how come how come you don't know that you, if your child is in school or not? But, you know, why, why, why are you so uncertain? It turns out that this five-year-old um, woke up one morning, and, and actually his sibling, his older sibling that was just a couple years older, woke him up, and, and they found their mom fast asleep because she was hung over from a night of drinking the night before. And so she was completely passed out when the kids had to get up and get ready for school. Well, the older sibling, once again, is only a couple years older than his brother. He just said, man, well, you know, mom is passed out. I guess the best thing we can do is get, you know, my little brother ready for school. So he made sure he brushed his teeth. He made sure he got dressed, put on his uniform. He gave him his book bag. And then before he walked out the door, he gave him a dollar bill. He said, go get yourself a honey bun so you can have some breakfast before you go to school. And the five-year-old said, okay, I guess this is just another day in the life. And the five-year-old proceeded to walk to school by himself. He crossed several blocks by himself, went around and crossed several busy intersections, and then finally came into the entrance of the school and walked into the lunchroom like nothing happened. And, of course, the mom didn't have any clue. How scary is that? A five-year-old walking to school by themselves, having to fend for themselves and get himself to school. That's so scary. We're in this new series. It's called How to Neighbor. And it's all about learning how to be good neighbors to those that are right around us, those that are, are close to us, the, those that are in proximity. Last week, we covered a heavy topic. Those of you that were here know, we talked about racial reconciliation, right? Uh, we put a poll on Facebook and we asked this question on the Swerve Church Facebook page. Uh, it said this, does racism exist in Bushwick? Overwhelmingly, um, it, it was all, all across the board. Nobody said no. Everybody said yes. Everybody that took the poll agreed that racism does exist in Bushwick. And the challenge for us last week was to see how could we really get to know and love our neighbors, especially those that look different than us. How can we do that? How can we go ahead and do that? And, and like Stephen just finished mentioning, uh, saying, it, it's a challenge, right? Because it's so easily, we can so easily be connected to those that look like us and have similar backgrounds and have similar upbringings and, and similar experiences. But for us to 
go ahead and meet our neighbor that looks different than us, it's a little difficult. It's awkward. It's different. But the gospel compels us to love those, even those that don't look like us. Last week we had the, uh, the challenge for all of us to go and continue to really pray and ask God to, to show us and to break our hearts and to help us find opportunities to meet our neighbors, engage our neighbors, especially those that don't look like us, and to invite them into community. Guys, my prayer is that our church will begin to reflect more and more each Sunday. We begin to reflect more and more at, at our life groups when we launch out this fall to reflect our community more. That we wouldn't just be one representative of this community, but that we would see a, a diverse community of people coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ. That's my desire, and I want to see that happen, and the gospel compels us to see that happen. Today we're going to be talking about a special call that we have as followers of Jesus, and that is to love and serve the least of these. That is the marginalized, that is the impoverished that are in our community. Last week I gave you guys some stats. Let me refresh your memory. I mentioned that Bushwick is around two square miles, home to over 120,000 people. It was the seventh most impoverished neighborhood in New York City. In fact, some of you that, that are here right now live through the worst parts of Bushwick, and you have vivid memories of burnt-down buildings and, and, and empty lots and, and the drugs and the crack epidemic in New York City. You guys lived through it, so you know it exactly. You have some vivid memories of those times of that history in Bushwick. Here's some more info on our neighborhood. Around 30% of the population is at or below the poverty line. Almost half of the population has less than a high school education, meaning that 50% of Bushwick residents don't even have a high school diploma or a GED. Bushwick ranks 15th in all of New York City when it comes to the incarceration of adults ages 15 and older. All that to say that our community is definitely one where there is much need. And while Bushwick has come a long way, and we've seen a lot of improvements in our neighborhood, there's still so much need. There are very real systemic injustices in our neighborhood and neighborhoods like Bushwick all over New York City. It's not unique to Bushwick. There's neighborhoods like this all over. You think about Brownsville. Think about East New York. Think about some of these other neighborhoods in Brooklyn and throughout New York City. But it's definitely an issue here. Now, as I talk about it, and I rattle off all those numbers of very, very real systemic injustices and difficulties in our issues, what should be our response? What should be our response as followers of Jesus? I mean, what should be the attitude that we take as followers of Jesus? When we see the brokenness in our community, what should that do to our hearts? What should that do to you? I love what James says in the New Testament. James was the brother of Jesus who wrote a very practical letter in the New Testament. That's what Stephen read in just a second, and we're about to read together once again. He wrote a very practical letter helping us understand the practical implications of the gospel. In other words, when you choose to follow Jesus, this is what it does to the way you live. That's what James wrote all about. This is the way our words connect with our actions. Here's the way you might understand it. Don't just talk the talk, but what? That's right. That's what James is all about. Here's what he says in James chapter 1, verse 27. Let's read it nice and loud. Are you guys ready? It's in your notes. It's on the screen and in your Bibles or on the Bible app, however you want to read along. Are you ready? Go. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. So often, guys, religion gets a bad rep because unfortunately, many simply don't walk the walk. Would you just guys go into your notes and why don't you guys circle or underline the first part of that verse, 
pure and undefiled religion. Pure and undefiled religion. It gets a, it gets a bad rap simply because people do not walk the walk. But James is telling us here that actually religion can actually be a good thing. Go figure, right? It can be a good thing. James is telling us that it's a good thing when it is pure and undefiled. In other words, when it isn't tainted by sinfulness, when it isn't tainted by wickedness and greed and selfishness, religion can actually be a good thing. Now, for just a moment, let's not even talk about other religions. Let's not talk about cults. Let's just talk about Christianity and Jesus, okay? Let's just talk about Christianity. Now, listen, you might be here and you're not a follower of Jesus because of this very reason. Like, you're like, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to go to church because Christians are hypocrites, because they're fake, because they don't, they don't walk the walk. They say all this stuff, but they live an opposite life. And for that very reason, you just might not be following Jesus right now. By the way, I'm glad you're here, though you wrestle with some of those issues. Maybe you're tired of seeing the hypocrisy and the scandal and such. And for many churches and church leaders, it's all become about what? Bigger budgets, bigger buildings, right? Instead of the true, unfiltered gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel in us and through us and in our community has become something else. But James says, actually, that's not what he's talking about. He says, no, no, pure religion. In other words, the true transformative experience of the gospel of the gospel actually compels us to look after and serve the vulnerable and the marginalized in our communities. The gospel doesn't exist to simply make our pockets fatter. It doesn't exist for that, but instead to help us put the gospel on display for all people to see, but especially the marginalized, the vulnerable, the weak in our community. You guys follow? You guys see that? So for the remainder of our time, here's what we're going to do. I want to look at three things that we can do to help us love and serve the vulnerable and the marginalized in our community. Are you guys game? You guys ready to follow? Three things. Take out your message note. This is where you can fill in the blanks there. That's why we put those so that you can track with the message and stay focused so the heat don't put you to sleep. Go ahead and take your pens out. Take notes. It's a good idea. Here's number one. Here's what it says in your notes. Allow God to break your heart for what breaks his. Allow God to break your heart for what breaks his. I love what Psalm 68 verse 5 and 6 says. God in his holy dwelling is a father of the what? Father of the fatherless. And he's a champion of who? Of God provides homes for those who are deserted. He leads out who? Who does he lead out? The prisoners to prosperity. But the rebellious live in a scorched land. In a scorched land. I like that it says in a scorched land because it reminds me of how hot it is right now in PS299. Right? You know, what is God's heart for the weak? What is God's heart for the vulnerable and the marginalized? His heart breaks for them. His heart breaks. What is his response? Danny, how can you tell from this verse? Well, look at his response. Look at his response. He becomes a father to the fatherless. He is a champion of widows. He provides a home and family for the lonely. He sets the captives free. You know what I find so interesting? I don't know about you guys. As I read this verse, I find this so interesting to me of how much our community deals with these very issues right here. Did you guys catch that? That he's a father to the fatherless? Man, there are so many absentee fathers in our community. There's a lot of baby daddies, but no fathers. And any psychologist, any therapist, any mental professional will tell you the vast importance it is to a child to have 
both mom and dad in the home. And statistics back that up as well. But how often do we see in our community so many fatherless homes? Some of you may have grown up in a home that was fatherless. You know personally the great void that was left behind because your dad wasn't in the picture. But if that's you, what is God to you? What is he? He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. This one is for you if you're a single mom or if you're raising a child in a single parent home. Maybe your spouse left you or you were in an abusive relationship and you had to go your separate ways. Maybe there was infidelity in, in the marriage, in the relationship. How many single parent homes are there in Bushwick? There are so many in our community that we see this. But who's God to them? Does he reject them? Does he leave them alone? No, no, no. He is a champion of widows. I love the word picture that we see here because I, I just picture God on the corner of, of those single parent, those single parent homes. He's on the corner and he's like, you can do it. I believe in you. I'm right here to help you. I'm right here to give you the strength that you need. I'm here to help you. He is a champion of widows. He provides a home for the deserted. The New Living Translate, the New Living Translation says it this way. He gives, he gives families to the lonely. He gives families to the lonely. And guys, New York City can be such a lonely place, can it be? We're talking about almost 9 million people jam-packed into the five boroughs of New York City, and you can still feel so isolated and alone. You could be on a crowded train, man, sardine between a thousand other people, and then it feels like no one cares about you and no one loves you. Man, this can really take you to a, a dark and a bleak pace, place where there's no community, no friends, and no relationship. But what does God do? What does God do for you? He provides a home for those who are deserted. He places the lonely in family. And lastly, he leads the prisoners to prosperity. Another version says this, that he sets the captive free. Maybe you want to write that right on top of there. If that helps you remember that right on top of that, he sets the captives free. I like to look at this from two perspectives in particular. First of all is the literal prisoner. Because the incarceration rate in Bushwick is higher than the rate of all of New York City collectively. Many people fall into a vicious cycle of being in and out of prison. It's a cycle of what's going on. They're in and out of prison all the time, never actually seeking the help that they actually need. Secondly, beyond the literal prison, you have the spiritual prison that many people find themselves in, right? The amount of lostness is overwhelming in our community. The amount of people that don't proclaim any religious affiliation, that don't call Jesus Lord and Savior, that don't proclaim Christ, or even those that go to church that say they know about Jesus but haven't surrendered their life wholly to, wholly to Him. There's a, there's a spiritual incarceration that's going on in our community. There are so many that there are those that are in a prison of greed that worship at the altar of money and trying to start find happiness and money and more money and more work. There are those that are imprisoned by pleasure, worshiping the temporary pleasures of this flesh but never finding satisfaction. There are many that are imprisoned by religion, worshiping at the altar of self-righteousness, attempting to seek God's favor through good works, but constantly falling short. But what is God to them? He is, sets the captives free. He leads the prisoner to prosperity. He sets the captives free. Now let me ask you guys a question. Does that break your heart? 
does that break your heart? Because it breaks the heart of God. Ask God to help break your heart for what breaks His. The defenseless, the single mom, the lonely, the prisoner. Ask God to break your heart for what breaks His. Here's number two in your notes is this. You can't do everything, but you can do what? You can do something. You can't do everything, but you can you can do something. It's very easy, guys, to be overwhelmed by how much it needs to be done around us. It's very easy to be overwhelmed by the amount of need. And you might think to yourself, Danny, what can I do? What can I do with the, with the, the mass incarceration rate? Uh, the, the rate that young kids are getting locked up in bullshit. What can I do to solve that? The amount of fatherless homes in this neighborhood. What can I do about that? What impact can little old me do about anything about that? What kind of contribution could I make? And it's very easy to feel overwhelmed by that. But listen, you can't do everything. But you can do something. Don't look at what you can't do and seek out what you can do. Secondly, I truly believe that this is why God created the family of God, a.k.a. the local church. Because we can do infinitely more together than we can do apart. Now listen, there are causes that God has placed on your heart. There's things that God has placed on your heart. There's things that burden you specifically because God has wired you that way. There are burdens that God has given you to help and meet certain needs that are very specific to the way that God has wired you. Other times, there are needs that we can meet collectively as a body of believers. Let me give you guys some examples. These are some things that we do as a church to serve the vulnerable and the marginalized in our community. This week we had a mission team. They came, up, they came all the way from Wisconsin to help us love and serve our neighbors. And they did a great job on Monday. We served with the Legacy Center. Let me tell you about Legacy Center. They're an awesome organization right here in the community. Every Monday they go in front of Maria Hernandez at 12 noon and they feed lunch to the homeless and the hungry at Maria Hernandez. And with our mission team, it gave us extra hands and feet to go help love and serve those. And so this Monday we fed 55 homeless and hungry in front of Maria Hernandez Park in that heat. We, gave, we served them uh, some food. We gave them drinks. We, we went around the park. We gave them toiletries. We gave them uh, uh, toothbrushes and toothpaste and wet wipes so that they can bathe themselves a little bit. We were able to do that because of the Legacy Center, the faithful work that they do every week. And as a church, we were able to use our resources, use our mission team to be able to help them do that. On Thursday, we were able to partner with the Borinquen Plaza Senior Center. They're right on Siegel and Graham in Williamsburg. And we were able to partner with them in order to help them in the Meals and Wheels program. Now, listen, every day they pack 1,400 lunches that go out to seniors that are unable to go out to get their lunch. And they deliver, they hand deliver those lunches to 1,400 seniors, homebound seniors, absolutely every single day all throughout North Brooklyn. Typically, they pack all of these lunches just with a handful of volunteers, just with a few volunteers. Can you guys believe that? Well, we were able to provide, we rolled 14 deep that, that Thursday, and we were able to pack every single one of the fridges. They had no more room for lunches. We were able to help them and do that. This September, we're going to do something really cool. You know, we, uh, we meet here at PS299. We, we had a goal as a church to pack 100 school ba backpacks to be able to love and serve the families here in this school. And so we, we wanted to be a church that doesn't just utilize the facility on a Sunday and take it over on a Sunday. We, wanted, we asked ourselves the question, how can we be good news to the families in this community? Well, 
you guys stepped up, you guys gave, and we were able to purchase a little over a hundred of these backpacks with school supplies like this to be able to give to the families here in the community. That's right. You give yourself a round of applause. So we have, they're, they're crowding out, they're in my house, they're crowding our hallway in the houses. We have, can you guys imagine, like boxes four high all across in a hallway. You got to climb, you got to climb around them to go to the bathroom. We have over a hundred of these that we're going to bless some very needy families. A lot of you guys don't know this, but a lot of the kids that go to this school, they're in broken homes. They're in fatherless homes. Their parents, uh, they have parents that are incarcerated and grandma and grandpa are raising them. A lot of them live in shelters and they come to school here. And we're going to be able to do just a little bit to help love and serve some of the marginalized and vulnerable. So by God's grace, we have these backpacks ready. Here's what you can do. Uh, some of you have been asking me, how can we contribute? Here's what you can do. Every Sunday from now to the beginning of September, we're going to collect school supplies. So if you have a box of crayons, if you have a sharpener, if you have a ruler and you want to donate that so we can add a little bit more to some of these bags, then every Sunday, by all means, bring it, leave it in the back there, and we'll be able to contribute a little bit more to some of the backpacks. And that's a way that you can contribute. We can't do everything, but we can do Now, what can you do as an individual? You can pray regularly. You can babysit for a single mom. Those, sometimes those single moms need a break. And you can babysit for them. Hey, let me watch a little Johnny. Let me watch him for a little bit while you go and have a night out. Grab a cup of coffee and relax a little bit. You can throw a baby shower for a family that is in need. You can give diapers or, or baby wipes or bibs to help them. You can cook a meal once a month for a family that's in need. You can serve the Legacy Center on a day off. Guys, there's a million and one things that you can do. You can't do everything, but you can do something. But it's too hard, Danny. It's too difficult. When did God ever say that he was going to call you to a life of comfort? When was that promised to us in Scripture? Where do you read that in Scripture and say that God was going to call you to a life of ease and comfort? I don't read that anywhere in Scripture. In fact, when I read the lives of the disciples, they live lives out on the outskirts of society, rejected by society, smacked, punched, rejected by society, and ultimately paid the price with their life for following Jesus. Where do you see in Scripture that you're called to a life of comfort? It's nowhere in there. It's, it's hard. But God has not called us to a life of comfort and ease. In fact, it's often quite the opposite. God has called you to step out in faith and trust Him. Let me say that one more time. God has called you to step out in faith and trust Him. Here's number three, the last point in your notes, and we're wrapping up our time here. Number three, we are all orphaned, but God adopted us into the family of God through Jesus. This is super important. We are all orphaned, but adopted into the family of God through Jesus. I love what Paul says to the Ephesians. You, you guys know, those of you that have been here for a while, we worked through the entire book of Ephesians. So we read this a long time ago. Why don't we read this verse out loud together? You ready, guys? Go. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Underline that first part of the verse right there. You know, he predestined us to be adopted. You see, here's the thing. You might be thinking to yourself, man, I got it all together, Danny. I have it all figured out. You might be thinking you're, you're pretty hot stuff. You, you're thinking highly of yourself, assuming that you're God's gift to the marginalized and the vulnerable. But here's what you need to realize, that before a holy and righteous God, we stand vulnerable. We are incredibly impoverished before a rich God. 
I don't care how many, how many zeros are at the end of your salary at the end of the year. We all stand poor before a holy and righteous God. And our sin and our rebellion alienates us from God. And because of our sin, we stand orphaned. Our sin eternally separates from God and leaves us hopeless. But God in His great love for us doesn't leave us in our spiritual orphanage. Instead, God does the unthinkable. He enters His creation and pays the ultimate penalty for our sins. Jesus unjustly dies, unjustly dies for our sin so that we could stand justified before God. Jesus is beaten, He is battered, He is bruised, and ultimately dies on the cross, paying the price for our sin. But He conquers Satan's sin and death and rises from the grave. Three days later, there is power in the life and resurrection of Jesus. And in His death, we get forgiveness of sin. And in His life, we get newness of life. And all we have to do to participate in this great exchange of our sin for His righteousness is put our faith not in ourselves, but in Jesus. And here's what will happen when we do that. We will be adopted into the family of God through Jesus. We will be adopted into the family of God through Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, then you are orphaned. You are not part of the family of God. But the good news is that Jesus died to make you a part of the family. You may have been trying to pay for the price of your own sin, I got bad news for you. You will fall incredibly short because the debt that we owe for our sin is way too great for you to pay on your own. But the good news is that Jesus paid the price for your sin. The Bible says that all you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, He died on the cross and rose from the grave and you will be saved. Put your faith off yourself and in Him and you can experience that newness of life. If everybody would take out their connection card right now on the back, there's some next steps I want to point your attention to. If you're here today, you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, then here's your way to make that decision today. I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to make you do anything. This is a decision between you and God. And that's why I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm going to simply ask you to make this decision between you and God and then let us know. So that we can support you, we can celebrate with you, we can love you, we can invite you into community, we can help you take those next steps. On the back of the connection card, it says there, make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior. If you haven't made that decision, I invite you to do so today. In just a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to turn in those connection cards and let us know. We want to help you take those next steps. What do we do when it comes to helping the marginalized and the vulnerable in our community? How do we look after the orphan and the widow? Allow God to break your heart for what breaks His. Realize you can't do everything, but guess what? You can do something. And realize that ultimately before God, we are all orphans adopted into His family through Jesus. Let's pray. God, all over this room, I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. I pray that right now your Holy Spirit will begin to stir in the hearts of your people and desire a desire to help and to serve, to protect and to honor the most vulnerable and the most marginalized and the weakest in our community. Keep our hearts humble to realize that we too stand vulnerable before you, but that we are adopted into your family through Jesus.
through Jesus' good and perfect work on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.